Hey out there, classical stuffers. This is AJ, and I've got a bit of a special message before the regular episode comes in. We recorded this about three weeks ago now, maybe four, before we post a bunch of episodes. We like to record them in a batch so we don't have to meet so often. Longtime listeners will probably know that. If you're a new listener, you probably won't, which means that this episode might seem insensitive. We are not talking much about the quarantine. We haven't discussed it. And a lot has changed since this episode was recorded. So keep that in mind as you listen and then look forward because as this goes on, obviously I won't be able to meet with the other two guys. Uh, Graham is sheltering with his wife and Thomas with his wife and child. And we can't exactly get together to record very well. And they don't both have the equipment necessary to make a high quality podcast. So in the coming weeks, I'm going to try my very best to post pretty regular episodes. If I can, fingers crossed, I'm going to try to do them daily but I'll be recording the Decameron. The Decameron is a story where a, I think it's seven women and three young men shelter in place from the Black Death, from uh, everything that was going on around them, and they try to entertain themselves by telling stories. So 100 stories, and I'm going to try to post them over 100 days. And then my first episode will be an introduction to the whole. So one episode of introduction and then a hundred episodes of stories. And I'm not just going to read them. I'm going to retell them so it's not too terrible for you out there in quarantine land. But I hope that gets you excited. I'm excited to do the project. It seems particularly apt for the moment to do the Decameron. I hope that gets you pumped. And until then, until quarantine is lifted, we can't record regular episodes. If it lasts longer than the Decameron can can last, I don't know what we'll do afterwards. I'm sure I'll think of something fun and keep you guys full of classical things, even if you can't go outside. So this is AJ signing off and sending you into our regular episode. Thanks. And welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about old things and books and whatever we feel like talking about. My name is Thomas Magby. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. AJ Hannenberg. That's Hello. this guy? Oh, stop it. <laughs> so messed you up. You serve us. So, okay. And I'm not even going to. Okay. And Mr. and Mr. Graham Donaldson. Sorry, Hi. you still count. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to do it, Hannenberg. You're I'm, I'm not a cheater. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm a as a professional, uh, he uh, only responds to his name. I don't do anything silly on this podcast. I'm a rascal. I'm a rascal. <laughs> absolutely right. Yep. Hey, so today we are going to be talking about book nine. Do rascals shimmy? Is they that, do. I don't you know. Got, audience, you missed it. He said, I'm a rascal, and then shimmy his shoulders. This is why we need a video uh, Oh, that would be right? a terrible idea. That would be a terrible no, idea. Great. Hey, speaking of book nine and video podcasts, um, what... Do y'all have some like favorite TV series that lasted for nine seasons? Oh, not Star Wars, that's for sure. Wait, no, I was going to end with saying that our favorite episode oh. nine thing was Star Wars. Wait, you don't feel that? Wait, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Rise of Skywalker was the greatest. Wait, what? Lightning Star Destroyers from yeah. Whatever. It was like the perfect movie. It had no plot holes. What are you? Had no plot. I mean, it had no. Oh, that's what I meant to say. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No plot holes. Sorry, sorry. Can't have holes in a vacuum. That's it. Hey, you're fair on that. All right, AJ, I think you are. Uh, leading us today. Okay, this is the penultimate Plato podcast. Listener, if you're tiring of the Plato podcast, no one is I'm tired sorry. of it. it up. No, I okay. just, I just want to finish. Like I'm in it. I was like at, at five episodes in. I'm like, I've just got to finish this stinker. So Grab some dirty, get up. It's Plato's Republic. Off, Everyone in. loves it. But it's this. Plato's Republic, and I thought that episode eight. I was super interested in, was in book eight. Welcome to book nine. The book no one gets to. Yep. <laughs> book <laughs> nine. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Like, oh, this was really good. Yeah. Okay. So this is book nine. 
And the first thing I need to talk about is bees. No. So what? if you remember the last podcast Drones. that, the, yeah, I talked yeah. about the drones yeah. and mm. I was like, Plato's bad at bees. Of course they serve a purpose. They actually don't. I, I'm bad at bees and Plato is good at bees. Oh. Here's what drones actually do within the hive. Okay. Their sole job is to mate with the queen. That's all they do. They okay. do not collect pollen. They do not help raise the young. They hang out and they mate. They have a job. They mate. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, did you and you, you, you did bee research ahead of today? That's well. I got my mom texted me, and she's like, "I actually know a lot about bees. I had no idea that my mother knew about bees, but apparently she's a beeist. What do you call this? Um, uh, she doesn't keep bees. An apiary is the name of a bee. If you send boviary." Bovine. No, no, no. Nope, cow. this is not. That, nope. Don't call your mom that. <laughs> I just Googled bee person and this is not helping. So, <laughs> bee, bee anyway. keeper, bee man. Uh, nope, none of these are helpful. Um, Beeus? Uh, Warriors of Myth has a bee person. This is a really okay, helpful Okay, moving Google on. Search. Anyway, yep, she it. said that, and she's right, I, I confirmed that they do have only one function, but for the most part, they just kind of hang out and do nothing. And at one point, they would so re- just consume the resources of the hive uselessly that the worker bees literally kick them out of the hive to sort of die on their own. Right. I feel like it's a modern analogy to like, I don't know, what? Young, the young men of today. No, that's, this is <laughs> really? like maybe the young men of today, but that's Plato's point is that oh. there are people in a society right. that all they do is sort of suck the resources of everybody else. They yep. spend a lot of money and they don't actually add any value and we should kick hey. them all out. They're the way that new ba- new bees come about, right? In in the hive, but uh-huh. maybe yeah, in them. society, they're they're a little more. They don't contribute as much. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Right, that's his point. That's so, the workers. Yeah. so that's a classical stuff we got wrong. I am bad at bees. Plato is good at bees. Who knew? <laughs> Thanks, Mr. That he was yeah, seriously a, a beast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Okay. All right. So last podcast, we talked about the five forms of government and mm-hmm. then the five types of dudes that went with the forms of government. Mm-hmm. So we have aristocracy and I named him Artie. Okay. Mm-hmm. We never talked about aristocracy or Artie because all of the books prior to eight were sort of dedicated to those two people. Sure. The person with rightly ordered desires and capacities what a guy. and yeah. the society with rightly ordered people, right. right? So the best are the ones who rule and then the people with the most spirit are the ones who fight and then everybody else gets jobs, Okay, right? And then we talked about the timocracy, which is an honor-based society. So mm-hmm. lots of lots of uh, spirit in that one, right? Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily just going for money. They're going for honor, mm-hmm. which is the second t- best type of society. And we call that the Timmy. So Timmy works solely for honor, and that's what he's all about. Yep. He'll, ju- he'll just bust through that wall. <laughs> he's yep. got spirit. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, yeah, if going? anyone yeah, cool. is a democracy, the Kool-Aid world is a democracy. Mm, that's good. It's all spirit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Breaking through every wall. Good, great. <laughs> we got to repair this. Come on. All right, the Timmy. And then the Timmy has a kid, and his kid sees his dad dishonored eventually at the end of his life. And he's like, wow, I'm not going to work for honor if somebody could just take it away from me at some point. So he works for cash. And the same thing happens in a society. Eventually, in, in a democracy, Every, the, the honorable men all make a bunch of cash and then they start to hoard it and then we start to honor people who have money. And that's an oligarchy. And we Ollie. named him Oliver. So Oliver works for money. He's like, I don't want my stuff taken away. I hate living in abject poverty. I want cash, right? That's an Ollie. He's like subreddit Wall Street bets, like that kid. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Wall Street bets. And so 
They were in the cover of like New York Magazine or something. Did do you guys? Yes? No. Do you guys read all Wall Street Bets? A little. Ne- I, I, I do now. It's um, but they were on that subreddit. Was on the cover of Wall. Like I think it was the yeah, New York insane. Magazine or Bloomberg or something. Basically being like, look at these yahoos. And um, uh, anyway, whatever. My favorite Wall Street bets are the guys. There was a guy who figured out how to get basically infinite leverage out of Robin Hood. It was an it was infinite leverage glitch. And so he made, you can just get as much money as you wanted. And so he took, I don't know, like $40,000 or something like that and put them all into Apple puts. And then you watch as Apple goes up like yeah, 4% I was gonna say, he and he lost, just lost, he loses everything yeah. and he's on the hook for all of it. Right. It wasn't his money. And you can watch him, you can like watch his face go downcast. There's like a palpable <laughs> He's like gold. sitting in his car and he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a bad day. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's just, that's a whole college debt right there. That's mm-hmm. a car loan. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a, that's an Oliver and an oligarchy. And then what comes after oligarchy? Democracy. Uh, democracy. Democracy. We get tired of the ruling Dimitri. class. And he is named a Dimitri. Yay. And so if your dad is a rich fella who's mm-hmm. worked all his life to get good stuff, mm-hmm. so he encourages the good virtues because mm-hmm. that means that has helped him get money and he mm-hmm. doesn't want to be seen as, you know, vicious because people don't really want to do business with a vicious person. Yep. And so his kid is rich, is rich, kind of guilty, but... Yeah, maybe a little guilty and doesn't necessarily... His dad encourages those same good virtues because his dad wants him to make money. But right. he doesn't feel the same compulsion because he's never lived in poverty. Mm. And he's got a lot of rich friends. And so they introduce him to basically libertinism. He gets to go kind of do whatever he wants to, mm. right? And so mm-hmm. he lets all these pleasures in. He still kind of knows which ones are good and his dad is still there as a voice. And so he tries to encourage those. But he sees all virtues as kind of... the Or all... all Pleasures is kind of the same and sort of gives his himself over to those pleasures. Mm. And that's the Dimitri. Yeah. And then what is democracy like? How does democracy come about from oligarchy? You guys remember? They fought together and then the the sunburned the, wiry, the wiry fellows yeah. realized that these guys are in charge. These guys are what we think are better than us. Yeah, the, the Richies are pretty worthless. So yeah. let's let's overthrow them and take all their stuff. Yeah. And so that is where we get a democracy. So, and then, so tasty looking. How does democracy go into <laughs> Is that what you're? eat the rich? Oh, okay. oh, wow. Okay. It's escalated. <laughs> He's still shimmying. I, yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> anyway. uh, so how does democracy go into tyranny? We talked about this. We haven't talked about the Tyrone yet. The type of person that is tyrannical. Oh, um, um, they overthrow the rich and, uh, but they, Oh, know, there's this like inversion of the, the, the people want to lead and the leaders want to not lead. And so was that the democracy? Yeah. And you still have the drones. Remember the drones are the people that spend a lot of money and they start to prey on the people who are actually useful in making things. Yep. And the people who are actually useful in making things get real tired of it. And mm-hmm. so they elect one person to kind of be their hero and stop these stupid drones from taking all their money and cheating mm-hmm. them of stuff. Yeah. And then he gets a little taste for power. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to give it up. And he doesn't want to give it up. And he's killed a whole bunch of people who are worthless to society. And he's like, hey, killing people is pretty easy, especially <laughs> when you have a mob at your behest. So... Let's kill a few more. And then he gets rid of all the friends who would stop him from doing what he's doing. And there you have a tyranny. Mm. Awesome. Okay. So that's a little review of book eight. It's important because book nine is going to make some use of that. And then the beginning of book nine, he differentiates between the two type of pleasures or appetites. We touched on it briefly last chapter. Any, any unnecessary pleasure is one that's kind of awake when your reason is dead, right? You get drunk. It's late at night. It's the thing that wakes up in you when you stop using your brain. Okay. Right? And then the necessary ones are the ones necessary to life and all of that sort of thing. Right? Make sense? You have to eat food. Got to eat food and you can have pleasure in good food. Right? Okay. You can have pleasure in exercise. You can have pleasure in discourse. All you of those pleasure are... pleasure in exercise? <laughs> well, apparently people say that, Man. but they're out of their mind. 
So the necessary pleasures are a okay. The unnecessary ones are uh, mm. less okay. Yes, less okay. 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 So now we get to talk about the Tyrone. Okay. So is this book? Now this is book nine. This is book nine. Uh, we are we are fresh into book nine. Okay. So how does the Tyrone come about? Remember. He's kind of the son of a democratic dad. Mm-hmm. The democratic dad is one who treats all pleasures of life the same. Okay. So how would a tyrannical person come about from that? And what does it mean to be a tyrannical person? Wait, Any did, guesses? Didn't you say that he comes around because he's protecting the interests of like the wealthy people against the not so wealthy people? In a in a tyranny, yes. Okay. But how does he start? Yeah, he, uh, he's is he ruled by passion? Okay. I don't know. I'm just thinking if your dad is all about the pleasures uh-huh. and passion grows on what is grows by being fed on, uh, you feed your passions and you grow them. Um, the ty- tyrannical man has a tyrannical soul. So his soul is ruled by his appetites. Okay, great. Yes. Cool. All right. So you kind of nailed it. Uh, he's got a tyrannical soul. All right, but see, boys. And that was book great. nine. No, that's not the whole thing. Oh. Uh, we talk about Tyrone a little bit, but yeah, you're essentially right. He is brought up in the life of a libertine. His dad treats all passions the same. Mm-hmm. He grows up with money. Oh, so he can mm-hmm. go after all the pleasures. He can go after all the pleasures, okay. just like his dad did. But he has no reason not to. There's no. Um, there's uh, no voice for, yeah, that yeah, to yeah. St- to stop him and encourage the good yeah. pleasures, right? Yeah. The good virtues. That's there's bad. there's no. He, his father treats it all the same. Whatever, son, do what you want. Get weird in college. Mm-hmm. Go go bananas. <laughs> okay. Do all the crazy craziness, right? Yeah. And so his. His democratic dad kind of brings him into the lawless life, and his friends are kind of the same, yeah, right? Okay. Bunch of r- other rich folks, and as they sort of begin to lose control of this kid, they'll try to set up one sort of passion as the ruling passion, something kind of in charge, right? Wait, explain. So uh, Plato says that kind of when he becomes this, like he he gives his life or to idle idle lusts mm-hmm. and, and spending all his money and all of this uselessness. They got to figure out some way to control this kid. Mm. So they usually try to set up one thing as like the controlling passion. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does so he it, say what the one thing is or is it different for each person? Yeah. He kind of, he kind of hints that Mike's it's... Mike's son's passionate for video games. Mm. Is that a thing you've ever had someone oh, say? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Passionate for video games? I'm pa- yes. It's like I found my passion and it's, and it's game. It's video games, Mr. Donaldson. It's like... <laughs> Called out. <laughs> I bet you're a hoot at parties. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's one thing I've learned. It's that video game stories are not good stories. <laughs> but that's a... Anyway. Then I no-scoped him across the map. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, they, they kind of give him this one mastered passion to be mm-hmm. lord over all of his other lusts, okay. right? To sort of maybe guide him and keep control of Because they're them. trying to get some, they're trying to like derive some kind of usefulness out of him? Or maybe they're just tired of hanging around a kid who's all over the place. Okay. Right? But it's so interesting because the way that they're going about it is not trying to instill some kind of value. It's we can't fix you, so let's just like pick a vice and make sure the vice pulls you in the right direction. Is, is, is this similar to like the um, go off to college to get a good job like will appeal to your um, greed because that will mm-hmm. help you to get good grades, help you to get into college. Like, is that is that similar to what is being talked maybe, about? Maybe let me read you guys sure. the passage, right. and maybe you can make more sense of it than I can. Sure. So, then you must further imagine the same thing to happen to the son, which has already happened to the father, which would be the democratic man. He is drawn into a perfectly lawless life, which by his seducers is termed perfect liberty, and his father and friends take part with his moderate desires. And the opposite party assist the opposite ones. 
I don't know who the opposite party is. Right. Like, is it his non-friends, the people who don't think he's great? As soon as, anyway, as soon as these dire magicians and tyrant makers find that they are losing their hold on him, they contrive to implant in him a master passion to be lord over his idle and spendthrift lusts. A sort of monstrous winged drone. That is the only image which will adequately describe him. It does not adequately. Oh, the, the drone is the person himself. Is not, the person the himself. Yeah, and sure. so maybe okay. it's that his father and friends want this kid to be good and that there's another group that kind of want to take advantage of him or use him or something. And then maybe they they want to keep control by giving sort of one big lust. Maybe you could think of it like this. And I'm again, this this passage, I don't know who the opposite party is that they, that they refer to here. And so maybe he it's we could kind of liken it to his father and friends really do want good things for this kid. Yep. But his drug dealer doesn't. Right. Sure. And so his drug dealer wants to set up a master passion over this kid, right? Cocaine Mm -hmm. and thereby control him and make him what he wants and get money out of him. Mm -hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. I can see that being what it is. It could also just be that when you're a dad and you've got a kid, that's a complete mess. Eventually you got to control him somehow. Yep. Okay. And so then I thought it was going to be more like, I thought I was an egotistical, like, sociopath, but it turns out I'm passionate about banking or something. <laughs> kind of, yeah. We actually get to, this is, I'm, I'm so excited for the next conversation. Cool. I think you guys are going to dive right into it. But let me kind of read what happens to him. So, and when his other lusts, amid clouds of incense and perfumes and garlands and wines and all the pleasures of a dissolute life now let loose, They come buzzing around him, nourishing to the utmost the sting of desire which they implant in his drone-like nature. So his his lusts are sort of giving this this desire, like the, the, the big overruling tyranny of his soul. Then at last this lord of the soul, having madness for the captain of his guard, breaks out into a frenzy. And he finds in himself any, and if he finds in himself any good opinions or appetites in process of formation... And there is in him any sense of shame remaining to these better principles he puts an end and casts them forth until he has purged away temperance and brought in madness to the full. So he wants to serve this overarching desire and all these other little desires so much that he is ready to cast out shame as best he can. Hmm. Right. Okay. And then the next one, the next sentence says kind of, and isn't this, is not this the reason why of old love has been called a tyrant? Interesting. Uh-oh. Okay. What does that make you think? Oh, it's just, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know yet. Um, love is called a tyrant because it focuses on one object of passion. One object of passion, even to the detriment, even, of, even to the detriment of the others, and right. it is certainly not driven by reason. Mm-hmm. He even mentions love again later. A certain kind of love. A certain like, kind like, of the, love. Like the, the, the sort of, um, that Romantic. love that Is sort that... of, oh, that swamps your little boat. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But not the long, patient love of the Christian marriage. Yeah, I would say this is a definitely a passionate love of desire. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he even refers to it again when he starts saying, like, how, how this guy lives, right? We were just talking of his origins, how he comes about. And the next question is, well, how does he live? And he says... Um, I imagine, I said, at the next step in his, in his progress, that there will be feasts and carousals and revelings and courtesans and all that sort of thing. You gotta. <laughs> Love is the lord of the house within him and orders yeah. all that concerns of his soul. Yeah. So a tyrant is a lover. A tyrant is a lover. 
Isn't that crazy? That's interesting. It, uh, yeah, th- th- that makes sense. It does. I mean, there's something he's looking mm-hmm. for in all the in all those experiences. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can't, I guess it makes sense that you can't give yourself to a whole bunch of different pleasures equally. Eventually you're going to find one and just sink yourself within it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So even within those examples, he would find out he likes feasting the most. Like, do you mean that? Yeah. That's okay. what I mean is that eventually one will kind of grow within okay. him to the detriment of the others and sure. he'll just, he'll follow it. The other ones won't go away, sure. but they'll become subservient. I think yeah. this is a bummer. Okay. Yeah. Isn't it? It's, yeah. it's not great. And then, so what just came was feasts carousals and revelings and courtesans and what happens when all that's all you're doing you're what's the logical end of spending all your time doing that your liver is in a rough spot you're broke yeah you spend all your money okay so now he's broke and what does he what do you do when you're broke and you're still absolutely crowded by desires and as you would term it love steal uh life of crime baby Steal. Uh, find a way to make that money. Find a way to make that money. Yeah. And when you are a, a young rich kid, what's the way you make the money? Go to dad. Ask your parents. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. exactly. And so he's going to go to his parents, and he's going to he's going to think like, I'm young, they're old. Why should they have the money more than I have the Uh-oh. money? And so you're going to try to get it out of your parents. And if you can't get it out of your parents by Mom, asking dad, them, I'm passionate about mus- the music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, I want to follow ACDC to Asia. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. It's like, oh, my kid found what he lives for. He just wants to be a DJ. <laughs> hey, AJ, you watch your tongue about oh, DJs. I'm say AJ is a DJ. Anyway. No, but I mean like... <laughs> it's definitely not my path. I'm, I'm very fair. realistic about where DJs fall on the creativity spectrum. Like, oh, at least the way I do it. It's not very creative. So when they're, when they're like the move in on the stage and they're twisting those knobs, do those knobs do anything? Um, it depends. If you don't hear any change in the music, sometimes no. <laughs> they are just touching a knob just that doesn't like that. do anything. That's funny. If I was a DJ, I would just like get it all set uh-huh. and then just go and hit the space bar play and then just sit quietly for two hours. <laughs> and then there. it was done, hit the space bar to end it and then walk off stage. So a lot of professional DJs, because they have to sync it with the lights and with uh-huh. the pyrotechnics mm. and with everything else, it really Basically is just press Right. Yeah, just that's exactly it. Because it's a huge show. There, there are DJs that work really hard to make that not the case. Uh, Dead Mouse is one of those. He has a lot of control up front. That was Why are we talking show. about this? That was this? a great show. That it's Dead a great Mouse show. show. <laughs> Dead Mouse shows are great. Mm-hmm. Dead Mouse, you are definitely not listening to this. You don't know. If you are, that was a great stinking show. And I, I've got a lot of respect for how hard you work. And Rep St. Catharines. Yep. That's where he's from. Canadian. I don't Canadian, know what's man. going yep. on right now. Anyway. Anyway, so if you can't get mom, money out of mom and dad, right? They cut mm. him off because he's sunk all his money into DJing. Take it. All his passion. Or this girl that he found, right? Oh, yeah. Take um, it. Yeah, he's going to take it. And, and the, gonna he, kill him? there's a couple different ways he can do that. Okay. He can either try to cheat them out of it, Bummer. right? And if he can't kind of cheat it out of them, he'll take it by force. Ooh, he'll up. just start like stealing from him and he will become a tyrant to his mom and his dad. Hmm. And so it says like on account of some newfangled love of a harlot who is anything but a necessary connection. Can you believe (laughs) that he would strike the mother who is his ancient friend and necessary to his very existence and would place her under the authority of the other when she is brought under the same roof. She just doesn't want me to be happy. She's being, she's being like irrational and just unreasonable. Yeah. Yep. And then he does the same thing with his dad and his most indispensable friends. And he just becomes a punk. Like he just becomes a punk and, and sort of gives himself over to it. Right. So that's not, that's not, not a great not, vision not great. of a future of this person. So no. he's ruled by a single love. He tries to get money. And if he can't get it by cajolery, he'll get it by thievery. Hmm. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but I think it's funny that love is the tyrannical emotion. It's yeah. weird. It's weird to think of that as the case. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then he gets a whole bunch of buddies, right? He's going to find other people like him that are ruled by love and lust and partying, right? And then when they all get together, they're kind of probably going to choose somebody as kind of their ringleader. They uh-huh. choose a tyrant for themselves, right? You guys still following? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And he's always going to be a master or a servant because he can never have a true, honest friend. Mm, sure. Why, why would that be the case? Because they're vicious. They're bad people. I don't know. They, they can either get you the pleasure you... Like, if, if it's all about getting a certain pleasure, then it's not ever about the people you're with. It's about the thing you get with them. Stinking nailed it. Yeah, and yes. a, a virtuous man, a virtuous <laughs> man Thomas? is never going to yes. want to hang out with you. Yeah. Right. So you're only going to attract other vicious people, and they, yeah, they're going to see you as either you can get they can get something out right. of you, or you are getting something out of them. Yeah. 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 Either you can you can sort of be subservient because mm-hmm. them as a master they will give you what you want if you just serve them, or you can get what you want out of them by being the master of them. It's like yeah. the Hollywood entourage. Interesting. Yeah, yes, it's like the Hollywood entourage, exactly. And so, like, I would never be friends with you because what pleasure do you give me other than sometimes good Canadian jokes? I can get you good roles. Roles? Yeah, like, in, the, in the next movie. No, like dinner rolls. Oh, like, no. I thought you were talking yeah, like, yeah, yeah exactly. Thanksgiving, like, yeah. Yeah, well, I, mean, I was the sweetest yeah. rolls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just mm, fresh out of the oven. Yeah, good. Okay, delicious. and the longer he lives, the more of a tyrant he will become. Yeah. And eventually he will be miserable. And right. the one who's been a tyrant the longest will be the most miserable. <laughs> and that is just a huge bummer. Yeah. Right? So that is a picture of Tyrone. How's he in charge? Miserable man. How does he get to be like the dude in charge? Just because there's a ringleader within every group of people. But how come the people that... flock to him and say, lead us? It doesn't, just because he's driven by, well, he might be driven by a love, mm. but doesn't mean he's not charming. They're just kind of like natural hierarchies right yeah. that yeah. someone mm-hmm. usually kind of lifts up as the leader yeah and it's it's weird because now we we're sort of one of the things i wanted to talk about is we are kind of getting back to they're, they're both monarchies right tyranny uh-huh. and aristocracy sure one is mm. driven by reason and one is driven by love mm. that's right i would rather be gallant than um than loving passionate. than oh okay you'd rather be gallant than passionate yeah i would rather be the aristocrat than the tyrant of myself. I guess. Wouldn't everyone... Who would say that they want to be a tyrant? The person who is like, uh, I just I love... The, I live for the music. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. How, how would you get out of that kid like, yes, also, tyranny, tyranny of government? Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I agree with AJ that I, I don't think there's often... Uh, I, I, I usually do not see the connection between tyranny and love, but I see, I see what he's saying, that love becomes a tyrant if it's in charge. Or I guess passion becomes a tyrant if it's in charge. Yeah, yeah. He, it's the controlling. He sees, yeah. But he, he he explains away his behavior and that he doesn't need to rule himself because he is driven along by some force that is so much more bigger than, bigger than, him. than him. And he's just <laughs> got to follow it and just like suck the marrow out of life. Yeah. And Mom and dad are trying to stop me from doing it. Yeah, and yeah exactly. And like you just got to... Steal their money. <laughs> Steal their money, and it doesn't matter because, you know, it's all about the music. I don't know. Like, no, it's like the romantic story. Like, it's yeah. the yeah, exactly. The, From the outside, it seems really romantic, but he will stop at nothing exactly to follow mm-hmm. this love that may not be reasonable, and he will damage a lot mm-hmm. of people around him. And that singular obsession will mean that all of his friends are avenues to that 
end, whether he be subservient or be masters over them. Don't let anybody tell you that you shouldn't Can't get, get your dream. what you want. Yep. Get your dream. Exactly. Yeah. That's just the recipe for the soul's tyranny. And we're not saying that you can't have a dream. We're just saying that like this guy has put his desire, his one pleasure above absolutely everything, <laughs> everything else. else. Huh. Graham, did you grin because well, you I was might just say, say no, no, your you dream should dream. be, I'm going to shoulder the responsibilities placed upon me. That sounds like a <laughs> uh, like a bummer? Say it. Say Stick it. in say the mud. It. You go okay, to parties cool. and everyone's like, I have a dream I'm be a DJ. And you're like, you know what you should do? Shoulder your responsibilities. <laughs> I'm going to pour myself a prune juice. I, no, I, I mean, you have responsibility for a healthy digestive system. But yeah, that's exactly right. Good. Yep. Nailed it. Yep. Yep. You're really disproving his point. Oh, that's my great. word. Yeah. Good. That's great. Okay. All right, so they we've we've we're done. We've did we did the five forms of government. Okay. We talked about the five types of people that come with it. And so he's like, "Now, remember all the way back to the beginning of the book, we were trying to figure out what kind of person was the happiest." Oh yeah. The person who justice. was actually yeah. just. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Or the person who just had the appearance of justice mm. but still got to do whatever they want to. Oh. Right? <laughs> I'm seeing it. What is that? Well, the, oh, the, the tyrant Ooh. and the aristocrat. It's all coming together. Okay. Ooh. Uh, so he says, okay, now we have to decide who's the happiest. We've got the five forms. We've got the five forms of people. Let's let's look at the states and figure out which one's the happiest state. And look the at the people and Come figure on, out man. which one's the happiest person. Tyrant gets whatever he, says, he wants to. Come on. You know what we need is a judge uh-huh. who's known all these types of people, who has got to hang out with the tyrant, seen him grow, seen the way he acts, mm-hmm. seen how, like, is intimate with his ways of life. That's the kind of good, reasonable judge we need. And then, and then the, the, the guy he's talking to, Glaucon, says, that, again, is a very fair proposal. <laughs> good. And then, and then Socrates says, shall I assume that we ourselves are able and experienced judges and have before now met with ah. such a person? He's like, you know who would be a great judge? Us, boys. Us, yeah. <laughs> exactly we nailed it. Right. Hey, yeah, ready good. to go. Cool. Okay, so be, let's begin with the state. Of the types of state, who do you think is the happiest? Would you say the aristocracy is the happiest, the tyranny is the happiest, or anywhere in between? Isn't the democracy the happiest? Because they think they're the happiest? Because everyone's free? Okay, so it, it is charming, hmm. but I, he would say that the aristocracy is happiest. Because okay. everybody's, yeah. like, that's what he would say. Everybody right. is tuned to their job and doing what they're supposed to do, and happy because the state is being ruled well. In a democracy... I assume that was the answer, but thought you were into like a gotcha. It's oh, like democracy. it was democracy. <laughs> it's not so long. No, he oh, he would obviously say twist. the aristocracy is right. happiest, and the democracy is troubling because what you want are people who act like rulers and rulers who act like subjects, and mm. it's a big inversion of everything, yep. and nobody is connected to a compulsion to do any sort of tradition or obligation to the state and everyone is given to their own passions hmm. and so he would say that's probably not a very happy state sure. everyone everyone thinks they're happy and feels like they're happy but it's not truly a happy place gotcha um obviously the worst one is tyranny right sure. everybody's right. a slave right everyone is enslaved in a tyranny and it's miserable and even the worst bit is even the tyrant is miserable. miserable right right he's having a bad time too so the tyrone is obviously the worst of people because his best impulses are enslaved by the worst. Sure. He has the soul of a slave. There is a gadfly in him which compels everything he does. He is a slave to his passions. You guys have heard that phrase before. Mm-hmm. Slave to his passions, right? He's the mm-hmm. worst. And then the, the arty, the aristocrat, would be the one whose best parts are the ruling principle of his soul. Doesn't mean he can't have pleasures or have passions, but they are ruled by his spirit and his reason, right? When we so say this, this is like Cato. Uh, maybe, yeah. When we are saying this, are we saying the aristocrat within the aristocratic society is the happiest person or everyone in that society, because they have their place, is happiest? Everyone in the society would be 
happy okay. ideally but the aristocratic okay. person is the happy happiest I'm type sure. of person right. he's he's ruled on the inside yeah he says but one thing you're forgetting is that the worst state to be in the absolutely worst tyrant. is when you are a tyrannical person who also happens to be a tyrant <laughs> Like yeah. you're a Tyrone um, who actually did it and yeah, right. got to be a tyrant. Right. So why would why would that what would be unhappy about being a Tyrone in the position of a tyrant? What what can you guys enumerate the things that could make you unhappy? Not so I know I'm asking really guiding no, questions no, this, here. Not only do you, are you controlled by your own passions, you also have to like deal with stuff. You're like in charge. You got like you like people talking to you, and you gotta like I don't know work out sanitation commissions, and you have all the the. You have everybody wants to like cut your head off mm-hmm. and you've got to, you got to watch your back and you just want to be left alone so that you can do your passion or whatever. Yeah. But I, you're also in like the best position to accomplish the things you want and still aren't happy. Like if you're any level below the tyrant, you can say, ah, when I get the next level up, things will be better. Yeah. When I'm in charge. Right. And instead you're in charge and it's still not good and there's no, there's no hiding the fact that none of it will help you or make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh So one of the things is he says is his soul is dainty and greedy and yet alone (laughs) of all men in the city, he is never allowed to go on a journey or to see the things with which other free men desire to see. No vacation time. He, he (laughs) lives in his hole like a woman hidden in the house and is jealous of any other citizen who goes into foreign parts and sees things of interest because he's, I I imagine because he's afraid of usurpation, he's afraid of rebellion he has things to take care of, right? So he has all these desires, but he can't satisfy them partially because he's got stuff to do, right? Yeah. That's what you said. Yeah. Um, and he's not master of himself, right. and yet he is compelled to master others. Mm. This says he is like a diseased or paralytic man who is compelled to pass his life not in retirement, but fighting in fighting and combat with other men. Mm. So he does not have the capacity to rule, and yet he is forced to rule other people, mm. yeah. right? Can't rule himself, has to rule others. And the last and worst... And he says, I'm going to make you sort of an analogy. Now, remember, at this time, they had, at this time they had slaves. And he says, so imagine a, a wealthy slave owner. You've got 50 slaves, right? So if you live in a city, what is keeping those slaves from rebelling against you? That they'll get kicked outside the city? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, there, there are other citizens, yeah. right, with power and with slaves that will come to my rescue if my slaves rebel. Right. Take that man and put him out of the city. Put him in a forest. He goes on a big journey with only his slaves. Mm-hmm. What oh, is he afraid of? Oh, his slaves, you're gonna, they're going to kick the crap out of him. Yeah, he is absolutely in total complete fear that his slaves are going to rebel and murder him. And the only way that he can prevent that from happening is by taking some of his slaves and by bribery or other means, get them to protect him. Sure, yeah. Right? And so do you guys see that played out in any current tyrannies? We have tyrannies around the world. I mean, sure, you always need to, yeah, you need to have, um, what's the... You need to have people complicit. Well, what, what happened what was um, so when Saddam Hussein yeah. came into power, um, he had some of the people who wanted who didn't want him to come into power they're murder like, the other people. They're like wavering, and so they yeah. were, there, there were some who were clearly opposed to him, and some who were clearly in favor of him. But kind of an in the middle group, and those were the group that in the middle group was tasked with. Um, executing those who were totally, totally opposed against to him. him. So then kind of he's got lock- them complicit in the crime and yes. now they're kind of on your side. Locked in to yeah, yeah. supporting him. Yeah. And I think you always have to have some coterie of people that you absolutely pour pleasures into, mm-hmm. right? I'm thinking of 
of any tyrant who's got, say, an army, but all of those army generals live in the absolute lap of luxury, right? Sure. They've got girls and they've got food and they've got entertainment and they've got money and they've got planes and they mm-hmm. have everything they want. And so basically he needs to bribe them to stay on his side because yeah. he knows if he ever tr- treated his generals anything but perfectly, they would turn, sure. right? And kill him. Mm-hmm. So, man, what a scary position to yeah, be in. that sucks. Right? That's terrible. Okay, so that is the first proof that the just man is happier than the unjust. Sure. Right? Oh, okay. So we, we've gone on this whole back, journey. Yeah, to come back to that question. To get, okay. Yeah, that's funny. So that's our first proof. Our that's first funny. proof is that the tyrannical man is having a terrible time and that the tyrannical tyrant is the most unhappy of men. Of all of them. Yeah. Right? Okay. Proof number two. So we're, we're leaving behind Tyrone and the crew. Okay. So if there's three different kind of divisions of the soul, okay. there's reason, mm-hmm. there's passion, and there's appetite, you can sort of say there's three different types of men, right? Some who want honor, some who want uh, knowledge and truth, and some who want all the other base pleasures. Mm. And those guys, he says we can kind of simplify it because to get the great the pleasures, you got to have cash. Right. Most of those pleasures require some sort of money, right? If you are addicted to sex, you're going to need prostitutes. If you are addicted to money or to, to food, you're going to need money to buy food. So he says, really, those people generally just want money. Okay. All right, so which of the three... Ha- gets to enjoy the most pleasure. Like gets to enjoy the pleasures of the other two the most. So the guy who wants honor can hit, can honors be enjoyed by people who want money and by people who want truth? Like, will they get any portion of the honor pleasure? What about the guy who wants money? Will he have any pleasure in the truth? Like who gets, who gets to enjoy the most out of all three, right? From, the other, top from the other one, classes. The reasonable one, the rational one, the okay, wizard. Can you explain why? Because... He can probably also enjoy money for what it's for for as far as it can take him. Okay, he can enjoy his pleasures, but not be driven by them. Sure, he can probably also enjoy honor, um, but I don't know. Because the so <laughs> if, I, if I'm hearing so like the appetitive one always wants more. So however much money they have, they always want more money to then mm-hmm. go buy more uh, sweet sauces or whatever the mm-hmm. thing is. Uh, the spirited one will always want more honor than they have. And so they're never pleased with the honor they have. Is that, am I getting it this right? And then the rational one will just see that what they have is what they have. Like the, it'll be an accurate view. Of, or you can lose your honor, but you can't lose the things that you've learned. Mm-hmm. The knowledge. I think you guys are probably reason. right. in a lot of these things, mm. um, just he says that, no, 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 oh, okay. I, I, I just don't think he notes them. Sure. Uh, so he says the lover of wisdom has a greater advantage over the lover of gain because he can experience both. Yes. Right. Whereas the lover of gain can't necessarily love wisdom. Yeah. Right. Um, what sure. about the honors? And he says, well, all three are kind of honored in proportion to which they attain their object. Right. The person who wants, who wants knowledge is honored as he gains knowledge. The mm-hmm. person who wants honor is honored as he has like military victories. Or but he has to, yeah. And he's always dependent on other people's views of him. So he kind of is concerned with shaping how people see him or he could, he could lose it through no fault of his own. Yeah, sure. So he's not on firm footing. And the one who gains money might get honor as he gains money. I think right. we've got CEOs, sure, sure. right? Who yeah, yeah. gain honor as they gain money. So all three kind of get honor but the person who gets to be the best judge is the person who actually has reason and has truth, which is the person at the top, mm-hmm. right? And he can enjoy those other honors for what they were. If wealth and gain were the criterion, then we would praise or brain, then we would like trust these other guys. And But it's not. It's reason that gets to judge between them, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the best one. Um, okay, so 
these guys pretty much like you guys pretty much had it right the guy at the top gets to enjoy the most of all three and gets to enjoy them in proportion as they're supposed to whereas the guys at the bottom don't necessarily like a lover of gain doesn't ever necessarily get wisdom lover of honor won't necessarily ever have money Mm -hmm, right right. or ever have wisdom the lover of wisdom can get the best of what he wants if he's really smart he can get money if he needs he might get honor as he desires it that sort of thing cool as opposed to the so then does this also tie in with the the government systems that the tyrant will always be wanting more but can't necessarily achieve it is that oh, interesting he, he doesn't actually he doesn't speak to that him. at all okay. right okay. this is a, just a sort of quick second proof okay all right the third proof is <laughs> i find it really interesting the the third proof is that the people that aren't at the top enjoy only shadow pleasures and not true pleasures what's that mean it's okay he gets he makes it really really complicated um, Plato? <laughs> yeah. There's this huge, huge complicated thing. Um, and he says, okay, so if you... All right, hold on. Let me collect my thoughts here because it's it's kind of complicated. Okay, so say if you are, say, starving and mm-hmm. you are in pain, mm-hmm. you're like, oh man, you know what kind of a pleasure it would be to just be released from pain, right? Mm-hmm. And so once you are released from that, you get a little bit of food and your hunger goes away, you think you are enjoying a pleasure, mm-hmm. Right. But really, it's just the alleviation of that of pain. pleasure, of pain. And okay. if you have never experienced that pain, you would not call regular everyday oatmeal a pleasure, right? Gotcha. Not necessarily. And then say you are enjoying like the greatest pleasure ever. You're on a cruise. You've been on a cruise your whole life. And then all of a sudden you're not. <laughs> not in the last couple of weeks, but <laughs> yeah, yes. uh, yeah. Why did I pick cruises? Um, <laughs> it's funny. You're, you're playing racquetball. Okay. I stink and love racquetball. Okay. Cool. Right? You're having, playing racquetball and all of a sudden, oh, gym shuts down, no more racquetball. That you would experience that as a pain, right? Mm-hmm. right? Whereas... It's not necessarily a pain. It's, it's just not, right. it's just the the, the, the loss, loss of, pleasure. of a pleasure. Right. And you can have pleasures that aren't dependent upon the loss of a pain. Okay. Right. There are pleasures like say in discourse. Mm. Right. Mm. I guess that would be maybe the loss of loneliness. Um, ex- exercise. Right. <laughs> Graham's making faces. We're not. Yeah, not sold on this one. But you're saying exercise can be pleasant. There are pleasures that aren't necessarily have- dependent upon being alleviated from some prior Suffering. pain. Okay, sure. sure. Right. Um, he says, taken as, as an example, the pleasures of smell. Sure. I was right? about to if say, yeah, flower, can't you, if you tasted something very delicious, it's not like... I've been alleviated from I've been from alleviated like from the pleasures. boredom of my mouth taste. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good use of mouth taste. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Now... What does your mouth taste like? It just tastes, you know, it's not, it's not a pain. No, it's not. Sorry. That's fine. Oh, okay. So... Now, you have to imagine. So imagine that there is in the cosmos sort mm-hmm. of like a lower region, a middle region, and an upper region. I'm imagining it. You okay. got it? You, you got, got it. that? Mm-hmm. So say if I went from the lower region to the middle region, mm-hmm. do I feel like I've attained some, some awesome pleasures? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm feeling pretty good. I'm yeah. way high off the ground, you guys. It's crazy That's up great. here. Seriously. Especially if I'm looking down. What, righteous? Crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. What if I go from the middle region to the lower region? I feel like I've lost. Bummer. I have fallen into pain. Yeah. If I keep my eye firmly fixed on the ground, and I go into the middle region, it is possible that I fancy myself in the highest possible mm, region. Sure, that totally. Sense? Yeah. I have reached the attainment of the most pleasures. Sure. I'm, I'm as high as you can go, guys. Sure. <laughs> Phrasing. Okay, um, yep, crushed it. I'm high as a kite. Yeah. And so I, I hit <laughs> yep. the kite level, cool. and then I'm looking down, and I'm like, man, you guys, I really made it. If I never look up, I don't know that there were higher pleasures to attain to. Okay. Right. And then he mm-hmm. goes and he, so, so keep imagine the, the three levels, remember, yep, got right. It. Imagine sort of the middle way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you have to answer. 
Is it better to have pleasures that are connected to things that can disappear, things in this lifetime connected to, say, like the body, say, Mm -hmm. pleasures of food, right, connected to the imperfect and the passing away? Or is it better to have pleasures that are connected to the very essence of life, the things that are immaterial and eternal? Second one. one, Obviously, Plato likes that one. I think that maybe our modern minds might take beef with this, but the notion that the eternal was in essence, better than the transitory was was definitely a Plato's time thing, sure. right? Things that didn't go away were eternal. They were better. They were the very pure, purest form of things. They were pure being because they couldn't die. Superfood. Sure, <laughs> right? They, they're pure. They're the essence, mm. right? Because the essence can't pass away. The essence of chair, the yeah. essence of life. Essence of life never goes the away. essence of water. Yeah. No. So it's better to have those things. Essence. <laughs> Thank you. Did you guys discuss Zoolander? Yes. We did. Yeah. Um, so it's better to have that kind of pleasure. Now, that is the highest type of pleasure, mm-hmm. right? And it's connected to purity of knowledge, right? Okay, the right. things that are abstracted from man, the things that we don't necessarily get to experience the eternal because we are transitory beings. Mm-hmm. That's the highest. Okay. But if I don't know that's there, mm. if I don't have the wisdom to reach that, say I'm an honorable type of man, mm-hmm. I can only attain to the middle level of pleasures. They are transitory they are passing. Mm. They are not the pure essence of pleasure that is possible yeah. when I am looking at philosophy, right? And so if I'm an honorable man, I will fancy as though I am, You've I've got, got it the, all. I've right. got it all. Like I've got the, the best. the beginning of the book. Yeah, exactly. The guy went to bed early. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, he was like, they were like, I don't know what justice is. It's just yeah. like being a good guy and enjoying what you got, night boys. Yep. And then, oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then he leaves the conversation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? Yeah. He, he thought he had it yeah. and he was ready to tell it to Plato. And then he's like, all right, I'm going I'm to bed. I've, yeah. I've made it. I've yeah. got it. You kids keep it down down there. So if I'm the honorable guy and I get there, I feel like I've been released. I, I'm attaining the highest pleasure. Mm-hmm. I've been released from any pains that are below. I've got this middle thing going mm-hmm. on. I just don't know that there's anything more to be offered. You just haven't hit that esoteric wizard knowledge yet? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm experiencing are shadow pleasures, mm-hmm. pleasures that will pass away. Okay. Honor, not going to stick. I'm not experiencing the true pith and essence of life. Mm-hmm. I only got the, the part way. And if I'm going after money, what, what I've got in money is not maybe not even close to the middle way, but mm-hmm. I feel like I've risen out of poverty. And right. so I feel like I have the best okay. because... But but in truth, I'm only experiencing shadow pleasures. Mm. It's not as good as it could possibly be. Yeah. I'm not doing the best. All right. Any thoughts on on that little bit? Mm. You guys agree? Um, I agree. Yeah, I mean... Hmm. No, how you, uh, I mean, yes, but don't you think pottery is like the chief end of man? I thought, like, don't, don't we take issue with the philosophy as the, like... It's kind of a circular argument if you put philosophy in the top category and then say, if you're not in the top category, are you inferior? Like, isn't there a circularity to it? Yeah, I, I think my biggest beef is is that I you have to, by necessity, think eternal pleasures are better than transitory ones and that knowledge is the only type of eternal pleasure. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's assuming that... I just, I just have difficulty with that notion. True. Sure. I mean, it's like, it, I like knowing stuff, but I've had some really good meals in my life. <laughs> sure. And yeah, and I, I love doing pottery and pottery will continue to be enjoyable. That's, that's an eternal thing, right? right? I don't know. I mean, at least in the Christian understanding of the hereafter, we have feasts. So it's not just yeah. like, you, get, you have to leave all these temporal things behind and just like love pure thought. Yeah, it it by necessity kind yeah. of devalues everything that is 
human and transitory, Mm -hmm. right? We can only love things that are eternal because that's the true essence of being. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, is I don't know. I'm, I I feel like I am alive. Isn't that the true essence of being right? Yeah. I lay hold to it. Even if it's for a little while, it's not like I have any less being than anything else right now. I'm, I'm as alive as the stars are. In fact, I am more alive. Mm. And I think Plato would say because they are eternal, or at least in the, in their conception, mm-hmm. the stars were mm-hmm. eternal until they saw a supernova. Right. They 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 are better than I am. I don't know. I I've always had trouble with the notion that that kind of eternal thing is by necessity better than the the real and palpable yet passing away. I think the thing for me is that it takes it off of like a a contextual timeline and just sort of says here is the one pure thing. What I mean by contextual timeline is say for example. I really want a, after a long, let's see, after a long day of, of hiking in the woods or whatever, you come back to your campsite and you just want like a simple meal of hot buttered toast and beans and some brisket and like a beer outside by the water. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you, and you put that together and you make it and you enjoy it and you're like, this was, that was a wonderful, enjoyable thing. You wouldn't say that beer and brisket and beans and even walking in the woods was the highest essence of pleasure. But but it is different than what Plato was talking about being in the highest realms. So there's something about like the just man, the happy man is the person that is not fulfilling his pleasures at all times, but is somebody who um well maybe maybe that's just, maybe this is maybe this is the the um the hedonistic reply, I don't mean hedonism in sort of its its bacchanalian sense, but I mean it in, in the actual ancient philosophy sense, that having a knowledge of the usefulness of things when they're needed, so don't have that second beer, don't have that second bowl of beans, it's not going to be as good the second time, and knowing that is mm-hmm. wisdom. Um, I, I, th- I was actually going to say, I think that this is exactly how Plato would defend himself. He would mm. say, by by the knowledge of the eternal, by true wisdom, I mean knowing what is good. Okay. And if you have that meal, you know what is good and you can enjoy it. There are men who are sunk in unwisdom and they wouldn't even realize what they have and couldn't enjoy it to the same capacity. That's fair. Yeah. But I would, I would retort fair. and say, like, you think knowledge of math is one of those eternal things. Mm-hmm. And I got to say that sometimes that really nice hiking meal is better for me than knowing that all the sides of a triangle add up to 180. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's an eternal truth, unchanging, mm-hmm. esoteric, pure knowledge. I would probably rather take the beans. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> See, this is this is why like it's just it makes me think and sure. makes me wonder and, and it's something I'm a little uncomfortable totally. with. And I don't know if enjoyment of pleasure at that third highest level is to the exclusion of any pleasure at those other two levels. Mm. Yeah. And calling them shadow pleasures and not the complete pure pleasure yeah. really that rankles part. me. Yeah, sure. That our, bothers me. Maybe the, the, there is a difference between thinking that the beans themselves are your fulfillment, but really what is the fulfillment is the enjoyment of the beans in for as, for as much as they can give you and, and thinking no more. So maybe it sure. is like, you know, the, the Greek notion of sophrosune or the middle way or everything in moderation. Sure. Like everything in moderation isn't just, you know, something your grandma told you to keep you from being lecherous, but it actually maybe is the secret. Like know the value of things in their context, no more, no less. And that is actually then the sort of a happy thing. So I feel like the, the argument Plato gives right here necessitates that you ask, okay, well, Adam and Eve didn't have necessarily all this firm, eternal, esoteric knowledge. 
so did God create them for the lowest of the pleasures? Uh, the physical and transitory? No. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why does that first premise have to be right. the case? Well, that's the thing. And, and that would be my retort to myself is that they knew God, who is the ultimate good and yeah. eternal. I don't right? know. They I think converse directly with him. There's, even the, there's your wisdom right Milton's there. conception. Isn't Adam like exploring the garden? And like, I think we have to really, yeah, we often think of Adam and Eve as like kind of naive, dumb, mm-hmm. naked kids in the woods, just like living their base lives. But as in reality, you need to think queens. about them as, as the full essence of human beings the who great contemplate the stars. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the, that they had this nobility to them they weren't just sort of these naive savages but they had this this um yeah they sort of had this fullness of humanity to them yeah um and that's just um we have to undo i think a lot of the the sunday school stories right okay we only got two more things and then we're gonna wrap it up so the first thing he says okay uh, we we've now established that there's a hierarchy of pleasures right clearly and that if the tyrant is obviously the least happy of these Mm -hmm. and he's three away from an oligarchy right Mm mm-hmm and an oligarchy is three away from an aristocracy. Oh, my word. Okay. So if you do a little math, that's three it. times three. Mm-hmm. Okay, nine. And if you take that nine okay. and you make it a plane, which would make it nine times nine, so an 81, 81. area square, okay. and then you make that 3D with another nine, Okay. 81. that's the volume of how much Stop. happier Stop it. an aristocrat mm, is. That's than not a, true. I'm he not kidding you. He actually says the number... If you are a well-ordered person, you are approximately 729 times more happy yeah, naturally. than a tyrannical person. Okay, well, he proved it. I'm glad he did the math, that's personally. Math. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm glad <laughs> that when I see, if, I, if I'm well-ordered, if I assume that I'm uh-huh. well-ordered and I see a tyrannical person, yeah, that I'm like 700 times happier yeah. than they are. Isn't that's there, good to know. In their subreddit, they did the math. This is, this is, <laughs> this is the, this they, is they like did the, the math. very original Thank you, Plato. they did the math. Yeah, I don't know where good. he's getting like, can he just be five times happier. Mm, that nope. sounds like a much easier math nope, than nope, like, nope, if nope. you multiply them and then plane them and then cube them, yep. that's the volume of happiness that I mean, you are happier. Okay. It's a lot of happy. That's a lot of happy. Yep. Right. Okay. So <laughs> passing over the math. Do they, so what's the happy unit? Yeah. Well, happy what's unit? it called? A util. Ooh. Isn't that where utilitarianism comes from? Is it a util? It's a, that's what Bentham. Who was the optimist in uh Candide? What was his name? Peluvian. I forget. I'll look it up at the Mm. end. There's a really great word that means you believe that everything is for the best and the best of this, the happiest of worlds. Mm. Uh, So the last thing is he says, okay, so you're trying to tell me, like that guy way back in the beginning of the book was arguing that the best kind of person was one who could do injustice and yet have everyone believe he was just. Let me paint you a picture of that man. Okay. He says, imagine if you can a mini-headed monster. (laughs) Okay, cool. Right? (laughs) And the heads are alternatingly wild or tame beasts. So you got a little like tame lamb that's like meh, and then you got a big dragon wants mm-hmm. to eat you. You but got like a lion, tiny, little, little tiny heads. Okay, yeah, okay. And then imagine another slightly smaller creature that's a lion. Okay, okay. And then imagine another slightly smaller creature that's a man. Okay, okay. Now take those three figures. Okay, right, the mini-headed beast. Okay, the lion and the man. Okay, and stick them all in a giant man suit. Okay, okay. Okay, it looks pretty good on the outside. Okay, you that man at the beginning of the book was trying to advocate for this man's nature to be ruled by the many-headed beast, not cultivated, so that the many-headed beast representing pleasure, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. He's not cutting off the wild heads. He's not taking care of the tame ones. He's letting them all go completely bananas, <laughs> and they are ruling over the other two natures inside of him. The lion, which is his spirit, mm-hmm. right? And the man, which is his reason. Okay. So inside this man is this many-headed dragon that is tearing him every different way and basically ruling his life. You're trying to tell me that man is happier. Hmm. And he's like, oh, well, that's a pretty potent picture. Yeah. yeah. So if you think about the different vices, maybe the man 
takes his spirit and makes it a coward so that he can flatter people and, and get his pleasures. Well, you've taken your lion and you've made it a monkey. It's not mm. a lion anymore. And it dances mm. for the many-headed dragon, right? Or you've reduced the man and he cowers in the corner, right? Mm. So all of the different vices can be different variations of this illustration. Mm. He's like, I'm advocating for one where the lion is a true lion and roars when it should roar. And all the pleasures are tame heads that you have got in good order, and a man rules over it all. God tame the dragon. It's like, you can't tell me that someone who is unjustly ruled by their pleasures, a true Tyrone, is a happier man. Hmm. Right? That is not justice. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's, that's the image good. he leaves you with. Yep. Cool. That's that not me. I, I'm, I'm, I can get behind that. Does yep. uh, Professor Pangloss, does that sound right? For oh, Panglossian. That's just... the word. So if, if someone is Panglossian, it means that they are an absolutely like determined, naive optimist. Hmm. Everything is going great and the world is as good as it possibly could be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Pangloss. Cool. I dig it. Anything else? That's book Um, nine. We got one more book after this and then we're done with Plato. So we should be taming the passions. Yep. We should be letting the lion roar when it needs to. Don't turn into a monkey. Yeah. Well, we'll let the lion help to tame those passions, right? Let the lion help to tame the passions. Okay. And then... So this is this like the, you know, feed the dog you want to win kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Cultivate hmm. your pleasures, right? Make sure that you're feeding the, the, the virtues. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have pleasures ever. It means sure. that you need to be careful about which ones you select, which okay. is why we talked about the necessary and unnecessary pleasures at the beginning. Sure. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at with the meal, right? Like you have the, the toast and beans and beer and it's great. And then you think, man, that was so great. And you go and get a second helping of toast and beans and beer and it's not great. It's just like, oh, this isn't as good. Yeah, more beans. Um, and it's and it was like you were hoping for it to make the you were hoping for that situation to come back, but it's not going to because the context has now changed. Um, yeah, exactly. You're not you're not hungry at the end of a hike anymore. You are sated at the end of a meal, mm-hmm. so it's not going to hit the same. Or that that little proverb like um, one drink is enough, two dr- two two is too many, three is too few. Isn't yep. that the? That's what I was, was going to say. That yeah. yeah. Uh, and that and the. Uh, being no able to understand what that means is is uh, part of that taming of the passions. And if you find yourself slave to a single love, mm. beware. And if you're slave to a single love and they want you to be the tyrant of a nation, ooh, turn that down. <laughs> say you no got, that. Well, just say, say no. no. Mm-hmm. Just say no. I don't know. Yeah. That... Get a hair shirt. Uh-huh. Go to the go to the hills. Yeah, get out of there. Lent. So I mean, you are helping your own freedom if you don't that's be a tyrant. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the whole primary message of this episode is I just like. like don't be a tyrant. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good mm-hmm. takeaway. I, I appreciate that. Sounds good to me. Perfect. Well, this has been Classical Stuff You Should Know. Thank you all for joining us. You can find us online at classicalstuff.net. All of our episodes that are over 100 episodes ago are up there. If you look on Apple, iTunes, or Overcast, or whatever um, app you use, you'll only see the most recent 100 episodes. Yeah, it's a little yep. overcast. It's a little overcast right now. Anyway, Overcast is a great podcast app. So anyway download that i guess i don't know you can do find, what you want you're do, free democracy yeah no wait no oh, <laughs> oh uh do what's best Arist- aristocracy okay you can find us on twitter at classical stuff that is spelled c-l-s-s-c-a-l stuff and you can email us at classical stuff at veritasacademy.net i think that is everything so cool. for graham aj and thomas this is us signing off signing off bye bye